This episode is brought to you by TrunkClub.com. Be the best-dressed human in the Moss Eisley Cantina. TrunkClub.com slash CFN. Greetings, citizens. This is uh, this is the final broadcast from, <laughs> from an uncertain future. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they've attacked and yes. it's over. <laughs> so this is it, guys. So uh, we're all going to die, and we thought we'd talk about some movies. So welcome before. to Comedy Film Nerds. <laughs> yeah, episode two hundred eleven. Two eleven. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. After you get into two, you're like, maybe they'll keep doing it. Maybe you're serious we're about it. We're a third of the way to 633. Yeah, which is our cancel episode. Like 633 yeah. is when it's done. 633 so. is the uh, Suicide Pact episode. Yeah. <laughs> we're just trying to work out, are we going to do pudding, like the cults, or... Shoes. Shoes. You put on Nikes and you go. Yeah. Mm. We might do that way. you got to go comfortably. So we'll probably have a Kickstarter to raise some money yeah. over how we're going to kill ourselves for episode six thirty three. So, um, so we'll do a little, maybe a little cross training. Yeah, I guess if you're going to wear the yeah. shoes, you yeah. probably should be in shape when mm-hmm. you go meet your alien lord or whatever those wingbirds. Spaceships, do. world's going to be recycled. Yeah, Space and we're going to go Andy, War- Andy Warhol haircuts like yeah. those oh, clowns yes. did. <laughs> yes. All right. Now we have it planned out. <laughs> Um, let's introduce our guest. It's his first time here. Yes, yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, very funny man, comedian, filmmaker, Maz Jobrani. Hey, how are you guys? Excellent. Good. I'm good. Good to be here. Good I'm to coming have you back here. for 633, man. 630, <laughs> is that what it is? 633? Yeah. Great. Sounds like a party. That's, that's the real one. <laughs> that's what it's all. This is just a lead up to the Suicide Pact oh, yeah. party. Oh, yeah. This is what it's all about. So you know what uh, Maz was asking us uh, before we started recording? What? He's going, what's Trunk Club? Let's tell them what Trunk Club is. I think we should. You know, Trunk Club, this is a really fascinating sponsor. This is our new sponsor. New sponsor. And um, what they do is you get a, you sign up for Trunk Club. You get a stylist who actually calls you. By the way, let's make, this, is this, this is for guys. This is for guys. This is absolutely yes. for okay. guys. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's make it clear. Women don't need this. Women yeah. don't yeah. need this, yeah. Yeah. Um, this But men, we do. I can barely dress myself in the morning. And this is like and one I of hate, those. And I, and I hate going to stores. So do I. I hate yeah. shopping for clothes. It's a pain in the ass. Now, you can't argue. He looks good. You're very well. Done. I got my wife. My wife is yeah. my stylist. <laughs> she is my trunk club. Yeah. It's called Wife Club. <laughs> Wifeclub.com. You get a wife and a stylist. Yeah. Straight from Russia. They don't speak any English. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah this was amazing because this was clearly, when I was told what this was, I was like, this was either designed by a guy or a, I feel like a bunch of women got together and created and said, this. They, these guys need help. Yeah. yeah, all the stylists are women. Yes, but you go online, you pick your clothes. You basically, no, no, you don't even say. You don't even say. You, yeah, you have no say whatsoever because it's for your own good. It's <laughs> no, no. <that's> not. <laughs> they pick out your clothes <laughs> and they minute, send it to wait you. A minute. <laughs> 
Let's make sure we do this first ad read correctly. No, what happens is you get an interview. You actually interview with the stylist, and then you they tell them you they you tell them what kind of clothes you like and uh-huh. what styles and all that stuff. And then they um, they actually steer you in certain directions. Like, okay, well, this is good, but what would you like to try this or whatever? So you get an entire trunk of different types of clothes sent to you, and you pick what you like, and you send back what you don't. I had a conversation, and I said. I go, look, I'm a jeans and T-shirt guy. Yeah. I wear a collared shirt twice a year. Uh-huh. I have one suit mm-hmm. that's for weddings and funerals. Mm-hmm. And the last two times I wore it was two funerals. That's, uh-huh. that's all I two wear. Two funerals uh-huh. and a wedding? Two funerals and a wedding. Uh-huh. Um, the Starting Andy McDowell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I was, I, I'll be honest, part of me was like, what are they... She's going to try to send What are they going to possibly send What are they going to send But like, What kind of t-shirts does she send you? I mean... Here's what they did. How though. hard is it to pick out t-shirts? It is. It, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, though, that's what I was thinking. And she, and she said, she goes... And I go, I wear... On stage, I'll wear maybe a nicer pair of jeans and mm. like skateboard shoes or something. Uh-huh. She goes, are you open to trying some different... I said, yeah, throw some stuff in there. And the t-shirts that she sent... Now, the, the, these clothes are fairly high end. Yeah, so, they're so a little expensive. They're a little, oh, little high end. They're high end. So, okay. but she sent me some T-shirts, and I thought the same thing. Like, what? How fancy can a T-shirt get? Right. She, the shirt I kept, because you keep the stuff you want, and you're charged for it. Yeah. And you send back what you don't want. Was this black T-shirt that fits me perfectly, yeah. <laughs> and it has like a little button thing, so it's a, it's just slightly mm. classier than. The regular black T-shirts. What an I interesting wear. idea. I, I got a similar thing where I said, "Well, you know, I like a long sleeve or a pullover or something, and uh, and some T-shirts." Mm-hmm. And they send me these clothes. I'm like, "These do they fit perfectly? Like better than any other T-shirt I've like How ever did you worn?" Know? Like, yeah, literally. it was like weird, and and I'm like, "Oh wow!" The Normally, jeans I don't fit like perfectly. how clothes fit. This does have to be a female. It's either a woman thing or it's gay guys. because yeah. <laughs> they like to shop. That's who likes mm-hmm. to shop. I mean, I agree. Like as a kid, one of my biggest. Uh, um, um, just uh, what, what, what pain in the asses was when my mom would take me clo- uh, clothes oh, shopping. Oh, I, hate I hated it. going. I, st- I still hate it. I still yeah. hate clothes shopping. And the opposite is like you see a lot of girls love. They're like, we're gonna go and go. So some girls were like, hey, we're gonna be going shopping anyway. Let's shop for these guys and pick up some. High- and they want high. They women love high end stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it were like cheap stuff, I'd be like, it's not a woman. That's a guy that's yeah. doing it. Some guys <laughs> like, I got an idea. <laughs> Nobody knows how to dress. They give us their ideas. We yeah. go into a discount store. We buy a bunch. We sell it to them for double the price. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guy. Right? If it were crappy shirts. Yes, yes. Imagine if it were like nothing matched. You're like, yeah. who's, the, the, who, who's the stylist? <laughs> just some asshole. Yeah. It's Vinny. How you doing? It's just, I don't know. I don't want to be bothered. Just wear uh, yeah. his pants. Who gives a shit if they fit or not? So it was uh, the other thing that's genius about their advertising model is that uh, we're advertising, but we're also... They're going to make their money back in probably what Graham and I have bought. So <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's really going to be cost neutral for right. them. They gave us a um, little credit. Yeah. And then. But it was like, you know, a little taste, but you're going to want more. Like a drug. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Yeah. First yeah. one's free. Like, yeah. yeah. And the other thing I want to make sure, though, people know, it's not like you get a trunk every month and you got to send it back. It's not like, you don't, it's not like the CD. Yeah. The, the yeah, yeah. It's not like a CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right? Just it, leave me alone. Yeah. It's, um, you only get a trunk when you want it, and then you send it back, uh, the stuff that you want. And then you're like, hey, I need more clothes. Send me another trunk. And that's it. That's, that's how it works in a nutshell. And yeah, and, and then you, you, they, like my style is like, just do me a favor, try on everything, even if it's something you don't think you like, just so we know size wise how everything fits. Nice. And uh, it was great. And like, you know, like the shoes were like shoes I probably wouldn't wear, so I sent those back. But it was, it was, 
I love it. Were they tap shoes? They were tap shoes. Uh, ha, ha. <laughs> the only person who doesn't need this is maybe a, a straight guy wise is maybe Greg Barrett. Right. <laughs> I was telling Greg's, about this yeah, and he's like yeah. he was like, No, go into the store, you guys aren't doing it right. I'm like, Greg, <laughs> you don't understand uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So go to trunkclub.com slash CFN. Okay. Love it. Now we I really want to talk about this movie, The Raid Two. I got I got to see this Let movie. Me, uh, I, I, go ahead, okay. but you go first. I need Graham. to say something. I need to address the fans. <laughs> I have not seen this movie yet. <laughs> and all of fans, friends, I talked up the first raid movie so much yeah. that everyone's like, I thought you'd be camped out. Yeah. It's only because you're shooting your own movie that you haven't own, seen this movie. That's why I have had no time. It's two and a half hours long, so I, we, we shoot all day and be like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll see a nine o'clock showing. And then I'm like, 8.15, I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah. you burned out. So that's why I haven't seen it. See, I I'm used to being exhausted. So after a day of shooting, I'm like, all right, I've got another four hours. This is just like yeah. having small children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just say, I will see this and I will talk about what it. What was the Raid 1? I missed Raid 1. What was oh, Raid 1? Raid 1 is great. What is it? Is this movie that um, came out of Indonesia, uh-huh. and it was it was it was a low budget action film. The choreographers were these amazing uh, Indonesian martial artists. I think it's Indonesian silat is the is the martial arts style. So there's a there's a, a tenant a tenement basically in in Jakarta or something like that that's owned by drug dealers, and a SWAT team has to go in. And they go floor by floor, and just it's one badass fight scene after oh another. My God. It's nonstop, and it's amazing. Huh. And it was one of those like cult films that came out a couple years ago, and everyone's like, "You got to see this." Was there like is a plot to it as well, or is it just fighting? It's a good plot. Okay, it's martial arts movie, so you know the yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little thin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like martial arts is kind of like porn. Like yeah, you just yeah. need just enough yeah, of yeah, a yeah, plot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was awesome. So then. It, it became, it was kind of like Ang Bak in terms of it was this like buzz within the action film world. And so when the word came out that now they had to make Raid 2, the director said, Raid 2 is the movie I wanted to make but didn't have the money to do. Oh, wow. So that's going into this. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's my nice. Okay. So now this movie, clearly, um, it's bigger, it's larger, it's longer. <laughs> and. Uh. Uh, uh, it's everything you would kind of expect in a sequel. Now, let me just say that um, overall, fantastic, but too long. Mm. It was really, it, it's where, you know, just because you have maybe more budget and more freedom doesn't mean you don't necessarily want to go all King Kong. <laughs> you want to you kind of, you know, um, tighten it up a little uh, how bit. How long was it? Do you know what the running time two was? Two and a half hours. Two and a half. Yeah, that's pretty long. Yeah, it's, it's long. long. Especially, Especially for an action film. Yeah, yeah. for an action film, really need to be a little shorter. Now, um, it was. It had some great characters. It had some amazing fight scenes. There's like a uh, a deaf girl that fights with hammers that's on a uh, subway and literally just cleans house. And it's unbelievable. Like, unbelievable right fight. There, unbelievable fight choreography. That should it's be fantastic. the tagline. Yeah. Deaf girl with hammers on yeah. a train. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, there's, uh, there's a martial arts fight in the back of a car. He's fighting two guys in the back of a car with that limited space. So, I mean, there's, there's some car chases. There's an, it's amazing martial arts. Now, there is a story, like, yes, the, the hero goes undercover, but deep undercover. And, you know, there's conspiracy stuff and all that stuff. But it's all, um, you know, basically, it's, it, it, it does get a little bit more dramatic here and there. But it, it never really delves too deep where you're like, this is a really cool drama with the martial arts Back. No, it's a martial arts movie with a little bit of drama. It's really where it is. But that's all what we expected what going in. Want, yeah, that's right. not. No one's disappointed with that mix when you go in. 
And uh, there was a couple weird things like, um, you know, there's a couple cliche things like with a lot of action or martial arts movies. But I was thinking about it, too. There's certain expectations you have with a martial arts movie. Like when you see um, a villain who's a deaf girl kicking ass with hammers. Wait, the deaf girl's a subway. villain? The deaf girl's a villain. Oh, that's, I thought yeah. she was going to be a good, good one. No, no. Okay. And, uh, but when that happens, and then there's another guy who completely cleans house with a baseball bat. And then his finishing move, it's almost like a video game, is he takes the ball and hits the ball at people. <laughs> and it's absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh. Now, when that happens, you're like, oh, that was cool. But then in your head, you're like, there is no way this movie is ending without our hero fighting those two people. Right. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I would yeah. feel cheated if that didn't happen. And, of course, that happened. So I'm like, yeah. So it, oh, he does fight them. Yeah, he does. Oh, so there's certain expectations. You're like, you know, you could twist around with the story and stuff, but there's certain stuff that needs to be in there. Right. And that was in there. Um, there's a couple weird, like, cultural things. Like, uh, like one of the other head mob guys is Japanese. So mm-hmm. it's like a, a yakuza that they kind of share control of, mm-hmm. you know, parts of the city. And they have a sit-down meeting, and the Japanese um, contingent, they start speaking in English. So, and then afterwards, one of the other guys is like, I can't believe you talked to them in their own language. I'm like, well, wouldn't their own language be Japanese? Why are they, <laughs> why are they talking in English? Oh, why yeah. is that so angry? You know, yeah. English is spoken everywhere. So um, there's like little, I wonder if there's some stuff in the translation that kind of got lost a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but there's great fight scenes. Don't expect a ton of plot. There is a little bit. There is some drama to it. But really, it's, like I said, it's a little more icing and window dressing. And um, it does, the movie does move through time back and forth a little bit. So especially at the beginning, when it gets towards the end, it doesn't. But so you're wondering like, wait, what's going on again? Where am I? He's in a bathroom stall in prison about to get his ass kicked. Now we're like in a field where they're, you know, digging graves. It's, it jumps around a little bit, okay. but um, it, it's great. If you like the Raid 2, there's no way you're not going to like, if you like the first Raid, there's no way you're not going to like Raid 2. Love it. Um, the, the, do people these, that go to these kinds of movies get high and watch them? Or do people that go to these kinds of movies like pay attention? Because, you know, there's certain movies that people get high for. Yeah. I'm wondering if a movie like this, because it seems like a movie that's too long to get high for. But is that, is this, do you, do you have any knowledge about that? I think what people do is they come right from the gym. And go and sit at this okay. movie and just go, yeah, uh, the entire That's exactly, <laughs> I think that's what these types of martial arts films are bringing in an audience coming in that frame of mind. Right. I think specifically this film, the hype around it, just the buzz in LA yeah. the last week, because it, it premiered here and everyone's been like, oh, I saw it. And, and you know, it's, it's show business, so people are like, oh, yeah. I... I got to see an advanced screening or I saw it at this mm. festival or whatever. So the buzz on it, I think everybody came like focused. Yeah. And is this a movie that opened in uh, Malaysia or wherever, Jakarta before, and now it's just coming out? Or did, are they doing, do they do an international release? I like, think that happened with the first one. Okay. Uh, but now that since it got so huge, well, it was probably the release window was probably IMDb much closer. IMDb list, listed as the Indonesian release is March 28th. Okay, yeah. Oh, so, so that window is like, yeah. much, yeah. much closer. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it has like those little um, hints of like infernal affairs and, mm-hmm. you know, the departed, like those kind of things. But it never really gets too heavily into that stuff. Right. Like, pull me out. No. Okay. And then he just starts fighting. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's fight. Yeah, let's fight. yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, it, it, it's great. You're really going to enjoy it just a little too long. All right. 
I saw it with Neil, and that's the first thing he said is like, "Well, that was that was long." And but you know, there's places where you're cheering and like, and your your mouth just goes up like, "Oh my god!" Like they those don't, kind they, of they can't. You can't really. I was just thinking, you can't do an intermission in a movie, can you? I mean, it doesn't they really used, work. They used to. But they yeah. Used to, do yeah, that anymore. No. yeah. I mean, honestly, like The it's Godfather had an intermission yeah. right. when it was in the theaters. Uh, I remember. Uh, Seven Samurai had an intermission. I think there was a movie Tess. Remember the movie Tess mm-hmm. with Nastasia Kinski? That had an intermission. I have no idea why I saw that movie. I was a kid. I was like eight or nine. I think my sister wanted to go see it, and it was not appropriate for either one of us. But our parents were like, all right. And they just dropped us off. <laughs> it was a movie. I remember being so bored. It was like a love story. And she just gets naked at some point. And I was just like, this is horrible. And then there was an intermission. All I was thinking was, this is the longest experience. But you were just saying, this is two and a half hours. I thought maybe because I always point to, you know, a lot of times people ask us about like comedy shows. They go, how long is the running time? I go, it's about an hour and a half. Because mm-hmm. if you go any longer, people start getting tired. I go, unless if you have an intermission, which I've seen before in comedy shows. Well, like Australia, they do that. Yeah. You yeah, know, they take you. They they. Two thousand and one had it. I think two thousand and one had it. No, but no, yeah. they done that comedy shows, or <laughs> sometimes that's that's the standard in Australia. Yeah, there's a couple absolutely. acts, and then they take an intermission. Yeah, and they serve more drinks, and then yeah, it's, it's, the whole show's about two uh, two and change. Like yeah, now how many comics do you have on a show like that? Yeah, they do four. Well, even I did a I did a show I did a show where there was two of us. It was me and a it was an opening act of me. The guy did twenty minutes, and then they took an intermission. It was oh, weird. Really? I was like, really? They go, yep. They go, we're going to take an intermission. We're going to get drinks, go to the bathroom. Then you come back and do an hour to hour and 20, whatever. But it, it, it works. So I'm just curious if it would work. Because the example I always use, I'm curious if it would work for a movie. I guess you have to do it the right way so that you're the right part of the movie so it doesn't, you know, that's the problem. Like, you don't want to leave in the middle of whatever the best action sequence right, and right. you know because mm-hmm. because i always point to broadway i go broadway has the best writers best actors best directors best singers most entertaining people in the world and they still take an intermission they go we're gonna take an intermission go go pee and come back they don't go two hours straight through it's mm-hmm. an interesting thing i wonder i i wonder how that with today's modern film going audiences because they'd sell more concessions they would too. sell a hell of a lot more concessions i wonder how that could work that that's that's an interesting to bring that idea that's a great idea because obviously movies got that from broadway yeah they just implemented that same thing from broadway yeah interesting anyway you said two and a half hours i was thinking that that's too long that's yeah 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 and part of me would think I would have to go to the bathroom probably at some point. Yeah. I don't want to miss any part of this movie. Yeah. You give me an intermission, I'll wait for it. Give me an hour to an hour and a half, and then let me go. Give me the intermission. Come and back and give me the last the, hour. Yeah, Let's yeah. just ride it right through right yeah. to. Nice. Now see what the review is. You don't is. want to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, it was too short. Yeah. <laughs> it was right. amazing. The second act could have used another half hour. <laughs> I peed. I was ready to go. I had my popcorn. <laughs> That's interesting, though. Yeah, I'm telling you. All right. We're yeah. going to think about that. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our next. Let's do Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Peabody and Sherman. Oh, yeah. Because somebody here saw it. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it is, is uh, um, Chris, you know, it's like with the kids, you just got to go see whatever they yes. want to see. And it's interesting because. How old are your kids? I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Okay. And there's also different things. Now, the three-year-old kind of doesn't necessarily sit through it all the time. Yeah, they're constantly, I understand that. You know, they're doing their own intermission, you know. <laughs> I got to pee. I'll do this. I'll do that. So she... Uh, I went, and it's interesting because I went, I went a while back to see. I think it was the Smurfs, and it was not that good. And the and and they were First young one enough. Or the second one, I, I forget which one it was, but it was. Eh. And they were young enough where I wasn't even paying attention. My son just focuses. 
And then I was just checking my phone and like doing email and stuff, you know. Um, this summer I went to Peabody and I'm sitting there and I start texting and stuff. And my sweet little three year old, you know, you know, they're your kids, they're your angels. She looks at me, she's like, "Daddy, watch the movie." And I was like, "Oh, you're right." I was like, "What am I doing?" I was like, "Put this thing away." And I put it away, and it was a good movie. I actually enjoyed it. And, and, and it was fun because she would look at something and laugh and then kind of look at me to see if I'm laughing. And I was like, yeah, it's great. And, uh, and it was good. I liked it. I liked Peabody. Now, or were you familiar with the um, Bullwinkle cartoons like, that it was based on? Oh, was that based on Bullwinkle? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Which, what, what character yeah. was Peabody in the Bullwinkle cartoons? Uh, the Bullwinkle cartoons was split up into like they would have different characters. They would Bullwinkle and... Um, the yeah, Rocky hey, Rocky. Hey, were, Rocky. Yeah. Watch me pull the rubber yeah, out of my Yeah, but then the other segments would be like Fractured Fairy Tales and then one of them would be Peabody and Sherman. Oh, and, I don't remember those guys. And Peabody and Sherman, the thing about it was is that the boy, like I know the movie from the trailers, it made it look like the boy was more like the fa- the dog was the father. Yeah. Well, in the cartoon, it was a little more biting where um, the boy was his pet. You know, he, it was like it was, uh, Peabody and his pet boy, Sherman. Oh, that's and funny. And the boy was always really dumb and he would like, he would have to be the smart one. And But that's, uh, so I was wondering how much of that translated over to the movie. No, there was none of that. I mean, I seen them, I didn't, I didn't know about the the other thing the, mm-hmm. that, that he that he was considered the pet. So in this mm-hmm. movie, it really was that he was the father and he'd adopted mm-hmm. him. And they actually showed the history of that. Like, he had, you know, I think he finds him. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think he was either abandoned or something. He finds him, and then and then he's this very sophisticated dog. So they mm-hmm. give him the kid, and then there's a mean lady who wants to take the kid away. Mm-hmm. But it was cool because what it was was they they traveled through history, mm-hmm. so you ended up in different periods. It was really like there was the a way back machine, way back machine. Exactly, it was great. There was like a whole thing with like the Trojan horse, and uh, and they it was just like any time that anyone uses any reference to history. Or we were talking about the Muppets, like when they go to different cities and stuff. Right. It's always, I think that 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 lends itself a little bit to adults appreciating it as well. Absolutely. Do yeah, you feel yeah. like they did a decent job in terms of? I mean, or did were they even trying to sort of give kids a little history lesson wrapped up in sort of entertainment? Absolutely. Or? I think that there's that. I mean, I, it's funny again. I, through, my three year old and five year old will come home from school and they'll recite stuff that they've learned. So my daughter just just the other day, three year old is like. Daddy, uh, they wouldn't let Cesar Chavez. They made him pick the grapes, and he couldn't pick the grapes. So he had. And she's like reciting about Cesar Chavez, you know. And then she's like, and she also had something about. Um, she knew something about Rosa Parks. My son knew about Gandhi. So they're learning all this stuff, and a lot of it's just being told these stories of like, oh, it was not fair, and this and that. So that's where it's a lesson in school. Now, when they see it in a movie. I don't know how much of it they're grasping that oh they, they, this is the Trojan horse or, or anything of of you know whatever um, I'm trying to think what other times they went to oh they went to Egypt like I don't know if they're grasping that but maybe they see a pyramid and they've heard about it in school they go oh, that's kind of cool reinforces um, it reinforces it yeah yeah um well. Cool. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that because I wasn't sure, like, you know, how good that movie was from the trailer. But I've heard that from a couple people where it's like, you know, you you can actually enjoy it with your kids. One of those movies. It is one of those, and it's amazing. The other thing I was talking about now, you you guys talking about making movies, and just I'm realizing more and more how much advertising, obviously, is so important. And I was just reading about. I think it was Kevin Hart had the movie. Um, um, about last night that came out in February. Mm-hmm. I remember reading about it, and it said it cost something like twelve million to make, but twenty eight million in advertising. And I'm like, wow. Well, there's 
there's that's how it gets out there. I mean, obviously he's he's doing a good job of getting sure. out there anyway. He's great on talk shows and all yeah, that he's stuff. he's very good at that. But 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 it goes beyond. And so you look at a thing like Peabody, and that was I mean. I, I could not drive a block no, without my daughter going, Mr. Yeah. Peabody, Mr. Peabody. Yeah, Billboards yeah. were everywhere. You can't turn and not see something about that. Yeah. So, it's yeah. on a bus. It's on a park bench. That marketing on- budget must have been huge. Yeah, and so if you have kids, you're going to go because the kids are going to drive right. you nuts until mm-hmm. you take them. Yeah. I mean, it's the best. That's the goal of the advertising. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it does the thing. It gets the kids excited about it. The kids had a great time, and when then you, the parent, can enjoy it, Yeah, that's the perfect thing. Yeah kids or family movie yeah exactly right. yeah. Mm-hmm. hashtag yeah. work it um yeah well i want to talk about a documentary that i watched uh on netflix obviously i've been watching a lot of docs because of uh, shooting our documentary and i watched the it's it's originally it was a pbs documentary just called johnny carson because pbs does this series and they've done whatever johnny cash they've done just famous people and then now they're all releasing them on netflix which has been awesome and this documentary was i i loved it and I think, obviously, for for people our age, we grew up with Johnny Carson, so it's really cool on that level because you're getting, like, I didn't know his history, you know, where he started in radio, and then he got into TV, and they, there's an interview with Johnny talking about, well, I got into TV, was, you know, the late 40s, early 50s, because there was no money in TV. We did it because we loved it. And it was sort of like rang true because the, all these interviews I've been doing for earbuds about listening to all these podcasters you know, some of them are making money now. A lot of them aren't. And they're still like, I just love podcasting so much. I don't care if it's making money. I'm going to keep doing it. It is very much like the early days of TV in terms of where it's going to go. And so that was fascinating. And, you know, and also, even if you didn't grow up, you know, if Carson was before your time, you really should watch this because he grew up or he was on TV in a time when there was three stations and he was the guy. There, right. He had no competition. There wasn't Letterman and Fallon and Arsenio and all these other shows. There was He had no competition at all. And he averaged 15 million viewers a night at, on late night, you know, at, at whatever it's 1130 slot on the East and West Coast. Well, it wasn't the first talk show, though, right? It wasn't like Steve Allen. And no, no. Well, Steve before. Allen was the, was the first Tonight Show host. Then yeah. there was Jack Parr. And they, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize this. They talked about Jack Parr was controversial. He had... Concubines. He had, <laughs> yeah, he had concubines. <laughs> no, but he had... He had Kennedy on there. He had politicians and would like ask provocative questions and and was like really getting into heavy politics. And so when Johnny took over, he was more about being a comedian and being an entertainer and he didn't settle into it initially. Yeah. And people were critical of him. Like, oh, I miss Jack Parr. Jack Parr was really getting at stuff. People don't like change. Yeah. Well, it takes a minute to, to adjust. I think even a lot of these guys, I've, I've never heard of a of a talk show host coming in and right away yeah. get, oh, hitting so it out of the park. Better. You know, <laughs> you know, Conan was one where he, when he was, he was, yeah, he was yeah. awkward at he first. And he wasn't great. an on-camera guy. He yeah. was just a writer. Yeah. Even, even Jimmy Fallon. I remember, I remember seeing Jimmy Fallon when he first started and I go... I was. I mean, I, 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 I could tell. I said he's very likable. I said he's gonna, it's, it's gonna grow, and it's grown on people. It takes time for it to grow, you know. But you're right. I love. I saw that documentary too, and I think first of all, I love. I'm in love with documentaries. I, I just they're they're great. But the thing you also realize 
is I just love how it put things put things uh, in perspective and, and and also tells you the history, like all the stuff that went down with like Joan Rivers and and just some of the stuff where he was kind of a curmudgeon in some ways and wanted to be a private person, but he was this public person. And then you realize, I mean, these guys, it's like a comedians. I mean, our lives. We how many comedians do we know that are lovable on stage? We were laughing at them, and they come off stage and they're very awkward because. Because it's just because everybody wants you to be that person. You know, I mean, that's got to be amazingly hard for somebody like Johnny Carson to, you know, can you imagine at the time the level of stardom that he had everywhere he went? People were like, hey, Johnny, here's a joke. You Every know? single person in America knew who he was. Everyone. Even yeah. if you didn't want you, everybody knew who Carson was. And anything that happened, they talk about this in the doc, anything that happened in politics or whatever in the news, they, every, everyone in America went, oh, I wonder how Johnny's going to. What's he going to say? Yeah. How's he going to do this interview? Yeah. And, um, you know, that they talked about the stresses of that. You know, he, there's plenty of people in America who probably don't know who Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel or Conan because it's, you know, they're all competing against each other and everything's so fractionalized with cable and the internet. But John, he was the, it was like Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Every single person knew who he was. And, and hearing stuff like, Doc Severinsen saying, oh, I was intimidated by him. Yeah. Like, you worked with the guy for 30 years or whatever. Yeah. You were intimidated. And Joan Rivers saying, oh, he, was, he could be mean. Yeah. You know? And he was kind of, I mean, a lot of people in the comedy world know this, but people that aren't in the comedy world don't. He was a kingmaker. It was kind of like, you know. you. you that was the it. time where, yeah, yeah. The, those shows had a lot of power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, everyone always talked about that. If Carson called you to the couch, first to get on the show, and then if he... It became a thing where if he was like, come on over to the couch, then it was like you were just anointed right there on the spot. It happened. Yeah. And if he didn't, if he was like, well, oh, good stuff, then it was like, ooh. Yeah. You know, it was like, yeah. oh, you had a bad steed. And all these guys, it's great. I love actually going to, uh, you can just go to YouTube and, and, and just look at clips of all these different comedians who started, you know, their first sets, whether it's Seinfeld or Eddie Murphy or Arsenio Hall, all these guys, they're all, they all yeah. showed up and did their thing and it was, they're all nervous. They all have stories about it. David uh, Brenner, who recently passed away, a lot of these guys, you can see their first sets and it's pretty amazing. And then you also realize something that people don't realize again that aren't in the comedy world, you realize how long it takes somebody to make it. You know, like I, even like, uh, like I've, somebody was telling me, like Jeff Dunham was on the Tonight Show and I was like with Johnny Carson and I was like, oh wow, I didn't know he'd been around that long. He's been around like these people. Everyone's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's not overnight. Yeah, yeah. Louis C.K. didn't just appear. Yeah, you know what I mean. None of yeah. these guys just appeared. And 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 th- this documentary is is fascinating. Yeah. Like, so if, if you uh, obviously many of you guys who listen to the show, you're fans of comedy and stuff like that. It's really worth watching. It's it's a great history lesson about comedy and about TV, and showing you the late night where it started and. And also they started to talk about how, and this is what I remember as a kid, Johnny would laugh. Like he had, was having a blast. And I always just felt like I was watching these, when I was a kid, I'd be like, I'm hanging out with these adults and watching them, these showbiz people just laugh and goof off. Yeah, You know, I really felt like I got to kind of hang out. It's sort of like, again, tying it back to the interviews we've been doing for for earbuds, listening to fans say, Oh, I feel like I get to, I'm, I know you guys, I'm friends with you guys, I get to hang out with you guys because you're in my ears every night. That's what it was for me growing up, and most Americans at the time, 
I'd watch Carson at night as a kid. I was like, I get to hang out with the showbiz adults and make them make jokes and <laughs> sex jokes. And they'd be like smoking and stuff. I mean, Dean Martin would always be on there with a cocktail and a cigarette. And yeah. it was just like, you were, you were hanging out at this Hollywood cocktail party. Yeah. And Carson would laugh all the time. I, I, I absolutely love, there's jokes of his I still remember. When, um, when Richard Pryor set himself on fire from smoking yeah. uh, cocaine yeah. before it was called crack back then, yeah. they called it freebasing. Uh, Johnny Carson's joke was uh, Richard Pryor is uh, starting a new uh, a new uh, charity for the Ignited Negro College Fund. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we all had Carson impressions. Hilarious. Everybody, yeah. I've done it with the Sklar brothers. Um, Ed, uh, like everyone, that's all you had to do yeah, was uh, sure. yeah, little, uh, little did we know, uh, like yeah, everyone yeah, did a Carson yeah. impression. Well, that's when you could also do impressions of all the guests too, like Carson interviewing like Dean Martin or oh, something. Man. That's, you know, those an impressionist's dream yeah. you know, or, or Jerry Lewis or whoever. I remember yeah. seeing, um, oh, what am I blanking on his name? The, uh, the famous impressionist comic from the 70s. Rich Little. Rich, Rich Little. Little. Yeah. When he would come on, when he would do Johnny Carson, like you almost... It's like watching a really great tribute band. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh, this is Van Halen tribute band's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Rich Little when he would do Johnny Carson, you'd be like, oh shit! Like I would get chills watching it because it was so on the money. That's funny. Um, all right, well let's move. Uh, let's move on now to yeah. Let's talk about uh, Maz's films. Now you actually were just in one, and then you also uh, just made one. Let's talk about the one you were in, uh, Shirin in Love. Yeah, I was in a movie called Shirin in Love. Shirin is a, a f- is a Persian female name. It's mm-hmm. Shir- It's actually Shirin. S H I R I N. Shirin in Love, and uh, it was stars. Uh, the girl, the Nazanin Bonyadi, who's the girl from Homeland. I don't know if you guys watch it or not, but mm-hmm. she plays a CIA agent in Homeland, or like an interpreter or analyst or something. But um, yeah, she's. Uh, it was it was fun to do. We did this movie. It came out independently, and we were talking about the budgets and all this stuff. Sure, of, this was a very low budget movie. Didn't have a big marketing budget, so the director, writer, uh, this na- this guy named uh, Ramin uh, Niyami. He basically, uh, you know, got it released in several theaters around the country. And the storyline, it's, I always say it's like, the, it's like a Persian big fat Greek wedding. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but not as zany, but not as zany, you know. So it was, uh, I play, she plays this girl who's engaged to an Iranian doctor played by me. And she falls in love with a with an American uh, writer uh, played by Riley Smith, who's a guy who, uh, another actor who, did a lot of TV and stuff, and I think he's done some film. And um, but it was it was good. It was a uh, it 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 kind of brings these two worlds together. It's a comedy. It's a romantic comedy. It's one of those things where you know a lot of times you're in something and you go, is it my type of movie? Not necessarily. Is I mean, is it the first thing I go see? Not necessarily. Is it a movie that I think is is fun? Yes. Um, is it it's a romantic comedy? So I just tell guys, I go take take a date. Mm-hmm. And I think that they'll enjoy it, uh, and so hopefully it'll come out on DVD and 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 VOD and all that stuff. And it's amazing just watching the hustle that this writer director had to put in, like going to different places and being at screenings it's and nonstop, nonstop. Please go see my movie. Please don't oh. copy my movie and distribute it. Please, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and it's it's amazing. He did. It. I thought he did a great job. I think the cinematography for the budget he had. I think he did a really good job. 
And uh, it was a movie that I was proud of. So, yeah, they came out, and I don't know if it's out anymore, but people can go to shirininlove.com, S-H-I-R-I-N, in love. How did, you, how did you get the part? I got the part because the guy had wanted me to be in it in the movie. I think he knew me from my stand-up, and he said, oh, I got this movie, and I kind of want you to be in there, be a little bit of comic relief, and uh, play the fiancé. And I said, as a matter of fact, it was kind of funny. He originally wanted me to play her dad. And I, was like, I was like, how old is this girl? <laughs> and how old do I look? <laughs> I was like, this is, re- I was like, Are you out of your mind? And he's like, no, I think you'd be good. I was like, dude, I was like, who's the girl? And he's like, Nazan. I go, Nazan, I, I know Nazan. Like, we've, I was like, no, I'm not going to, I can't play her dad. I was like, it was just, it, I, I mean, as much as I'd love to play a little bit older, but, you know, if Nazanin is in her, even if she's in her mid 20s, the late 20s, you know, I'm 42. I can't play her dad. It's not going to work. <laughs> so, um, then he was like, oh, how about this other part? It was He kind of beefed it up a little bit. And I said, sure. And then we went. And it was fun. You know what was fun, too, was that he got a group of people. I knew some of the other actors from just doing stand-up with them or, or just knowing them from here and there. And it's always nice. You understand why a guy like Scorsese uses the same actors Absolutely. or anybody uses the same. Yes. You want to get an ensemble that that has a shorthand. And that's kind of what happened, and uh, and it was Very great. True. It was a really good experience. Did he give you a lot of <clears throat> latitude to improvise and stuff like that? Yeah, there was. Uh, I think he wanted us to do that. Um, uh, there's a comedian named Max Amini who was in there, uh, and there was another actor who I know named Sam Golzari, and there were some scenes where we'd just be sitting around as like we're supposed to be buddies. So it wasn't even written. He would be like, "Here's what's written," but you know, kind of have fun with it. Um, and that's always fun too, you know. The and then sometimes. They, they give you that freedom and you, you go a little too far. George Wallace was in it, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sometimes you go a little too far, and then he's like, no, no, you know, dial you, you it back. bring it, dial it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, it was fun. It was a good experience, and it was, it was, uh, it's nice to see. You know, you got, I mean, it's just, I have so much respect for filmmakers, like having gone through the other film that I made, um, that uh, it's, uh, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of yes. work. <laughs> We're well aware of that. You know, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, and then you get it out, and you're like, "This is my baby," and you're like, "Please watch it." And some reviewer goes and goes, "I hate this," and you go, "You know what? I hate you." Yeah, fuck yeah. you! I'm gonna find you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you feel like uh, you feel like De Niro in The Untouchables, like "Fuck you and your family." Yeah, like yeah, a exactly. Bat. Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah, down. yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the other movie that you've done. Yeah. Jimmy Vestwood? Yeah, the other one is Jimmy Vestwood, American Hero. American Hero. Yeah, and it's okay. Vestwood pronounced with, uh, you know, it's like Westwood, but with Vs. And basically, this is a movie I've been trying to get made for like 10 years. You uh, directed this? Or? I know. I, I starred in it. I, I wrote it with produced another. It. Yeah, produce it. Me and, me and another guy named Amiro Hepsian, we co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director was Jonathan Kesselman, who had directed a movie called... Um, the Hebrew Hammer that came out with uh, Adam Goldberg years ago, kind of a cult hit. And um, and we have another producer named Ray Mohit who's on there. He was my manager, but he produced as well. But it was, I mean, it took us like 10 years of rewrites, just on and on and on, just con- constantly writing it, writing it, writing it. It went through so many, first of all, first of all let me Is tell you. It's a comedy? It. It's a comedy. Okay. It's called Jimmy Vestwood. It's basically the story of, uh, a guy in Iran who's obsessed with being an American hero because he's a big fan of Steve McQueen's. So he wants to be like an American hero. So he finally wins the green card lottery to come to America. And he comes to America, and the best job he can get is working as a security guard at a Persian grocery store. <laughs> and then he somehow finds himself in the middle of this plot to start World War III, and he's got to save the day. <laughs> yeah. So it's silly, silly comedy. It's in the, it's, it's, I, call it, I call it the Persian Pink Panther. <laughs> you know? That's kind of what it is. 
That's and, a great tagline. Yeah, 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 it is. And, 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 and the other line we have for it is, you know, uh, the line is, you don't have to be American to be an American hero, which, That's a great which is what it is, you know. And, uh, and it's a silly comedy. And I'll tell you, going through it, first of all, about 10 years of rewrites on the sword, and it, mo- it changed a lot. The story changed a lot. Why? Um, just because it was just we would write it. We couldn't find anyone to produce it. We didn't have the money. Uh, we would we would get somebody who would say, look, I'll, you know, in 2008, some guy was like, I'll put up whatever you need. Like, uh, he, he was going to put in like a million and a half at the time. And then we got on the phone with lawyers, all this stuff, great. And then the stock market crashed. And he's like, oh, I can't do it. Disappeared. Then this other guy shows up. He's like, I'm the biggest roofer in the East Coast. He's like, I don't want to be in movies. <laughs> and it's amazing. Actually, a buddy of mine made a movie. Um, there's a couple movies that come to mind. One is the one that Alec Baldwin just made with, uh, was it James uh, Toback? Is that his name? Uh, the documentary called Seduced and Abandoned. You haven't seen that? No. Oh, you got, if you like documentaries, go to HBO. It's on HBO's, um, uh, you know, you can watch it on demand or watch it at HBO Go. Oh, cool. It's called Seduced and Abandoned. It's about James Toback and Alex ba- Alec Baldwin. They go to the uh, Cannes Film Festival to raise money to make a movie. And it's great to watch because there's all these investors and they're like, yeah, you got Alec Baldwin and who, Nev Campbell? Ooh. He's like, all right, I'll give you $5 million. And like, well, we need $20 million. He's like, well, if you want $20 million, you know, give me Charlize Theron. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Straight up. You got to go see this. It's a great movie. Um, and then another movie a buddy of mine made, um, this guy named Paimon Kalia, he made a movie called um, Kingdom Come. And it was a, another documentary. It's a documentary about his friend who's trying to get a movie made. Mm-hmm. And he follows him around and he interviews a lot of different filmmakers. And I remember this one scene with Tim Roth. He's interviewing Tim Roth and he goes, he goes yeah. He's like, you know, these investors, there's always some rich billionaire He's, he's, got, he's always got a yacht right there. He's like, there's my yacht. And he's like, yeah, I'm totally in. He's like, I'm in. I'm in for your movie. And then the guy just disappears. And, it's, and we kind of went through that. Like, all these people come through. Like, I want to do it. And then they would disappear. And I think part of it is, look, there's a reason why these people are rich because they're good investors. And movies, as you know, are major risks. So they're like, I have no idea if your movie's going to make it or not. So I'm not going to give you my money. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why it took so long. And it wasn't until... Um, in the fall of 2012, we said, let's just do an Indiegogo campaign and see if we can get some money. And <clears throat> this is a whole other thing. It's like you put your, you put it up. And like I have, at the time, I had like, let's say, 150,000 people on my Facebook page. And I had like 20-something thousand on my Twitter page. And I had like an 18 or 20,000 person email list. And I go, listen, if just everyone puts a dollar We'll make like a hundred and something grand. We just did a Kickstarter campaign. So yeah. We understand you know. the numbers completely. And you're like, what? And then, and you put it, and we put it out there, and it was like crickets. It was like two weeks go by, <laughs> and we'd made like 7,000. And we'd set our goal as, at like 200,000. Um, and part of it was it was Indiegogo, so it was flex funding, so you keep whatever you make. Right. But, you know, with 7,000, I'm you not getting anywhere. Yeah. Freaking out. So I was like, so I talked to my web guy. I'm like, What's the, what's the deal? Like, oh, I got 150,000 people on Facebook. What's going on? He's like, let me break it down for you. And he looks at the demographics. Anybody can look at them. And he's like, well, let's say 30,000 of those people are in Egypt. Like 20,000 are in Jordan. You know, 10,000. It was all over the world. And I was like, okay, so I can't make a movie, but I can start a revolution. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, meet, meet me at Tahrir Square. <laughs> you know? Send out some green scarves. You, you know what I'm saying? Ready to go. <laughs> so it was funny. So then we're freaking out. And then I learned a lot. I talked to a guy who'd done some successful Indiegogo campaigns. And he told me, he was an inventor. And he goes, look, anytime I just went without pre- preparation, he goes, it bombed. 
He goes, the times that I've had success, he goes, I spent about a year. I, I don't know what his invention was. He goes, I spent a year talking he about... He invented Indiegogo. He invented Indiegogo. <laughs> no, he said he spent a year talking to, um, just talking to people at different places that would be like, you know, I think it was a tech thing. So he's like, you go to tech places, talk to people, be like, hey, I've got this invention. If I ever launched, would you be willing to put some money in? And everybody was like, sure, I'll give. A, I'll put a thousand towards your thing. So he goes, I got like ten or twenty people to commit a thousand, so that when I would go, boom, right away twenty thousand. So if someone goes and looks at it and goes, oh, he's already at twenty, I should give some money. Because if you're not, if you're not nowhere close to your number, people don't give the money. It's the weirdest thing. The closer you get, the more people want to be involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely, the weirdest thing. Yeah. So he was saying that's one thing. And the other thing he suggested, he goes. Organize a an event, a fundraiser, a party, something around your thing. So, like three, you know, three quarters of the way in, have this party so that you get another infusion of money coming in. And then, if you got a guy who's willing to give you big money, tell him to wait till the end because he goes that end is really the little marathon. At the, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, it's the, it's the sprint at the end of the marathon. So, anyway, long story short, we ran around and finally found some guy who was able to put a little fundraiser together for us. And we went up to Silicon Valley. There was a lot of people that like, you know, there's a lot of people that have internet money and they showed up and they supported. And, and in one night we raised like almost $100,000. Oh, that's great. And that took our campaign from like 7000 to 107000 So we ended, at, you know, a little bit higher than that. And it was great because then we had the money. Now we have for, for, for the beginning of the movie, to, to the beginning of the funding. And so Amir and I were like, I mean, Amir Ray and I, the producers, were like, well... Now we have to make a movie because we've got this money. <laughs> what are we going to do? And it was now. Did you have to promise rewards too? Like, yeah, like you did, like the mm-hmm. movie things like that. Well, a lot of the rewards were things like being a comedian is great because you go, hey, I'll give you four VIP tickets to my sure. any show right, that I'm right. in your, you know, whenever. Mm-hmm. And people come to my shows anyway, so they're like, oh, great. I'm going to give you 250 bucks. I get four VIP tickets. I get to meet you before the show. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's something or here, you know, 25 bucks. Get a T-shirt. Whatever. Right. We, we you know, we did we did a couple of like. We had it up as like $1,000 gets you a part in the movie, but then we were told that SAG doesn't allow that. So then we're like, okay. Yeah, there's all kinds of rules. It's interesting because crowdfunding is interesting because there's the rules of SAG, Screen Actors Guild. You're not Mm -hmm. supposed to take money from somebody and then put them in a movie. This happens all the time, Mm -hmm. but you're not supposed to do that. Um, The other thing, the, the, the other bigger one is the IRS has no idea how to deal with... They're like, how do we deal with this crowdfunding? Is it income or is it a gift? We were talking about that from uh, uh, with our accountant too. Yeah, and uh, you know, just a little inside baseball thing is like, you know, the the best thing you can do is spend the money the same year that you make it because then it's income and expenses all on the same exactly and that's where we ran into sorry i keep looking at my phone my my wife has someone um we have someone fixing the tv she's got to leave and whatever i'm just making sure (laughs) so um that's a little too inside that's a little too inside (laughs) so so what happened was we exactly what you just said we're like well now we have to make the movie in 2013 because we made we we did the, the crowdfunding ended in 2013 so we're gonna, now we have to make the we have to we have to make the movie, or we're gonna have to run into the situation of like, what are we doing? So then we set out on finding other investors, and it was great having a hundred thousand dollars helps. Right, yes. right. You go, hey, we already have a hundred. What do you want? And then every investor I found, some a couple of my friends, that one old friend of mine who has done well in um, you know uh, stock market stuff, he stepped up, and it was just so great to have him. And I said, listen, dude, I go, this could be. A money losing venture, and he was very sweet about it. He goes, "Listen, man, I'm a big man. I, I mean, I'm a big boy. I know it's all right. I want to be part of this." And it, but what was interesting was 
almost every investor was like, okay, so what do you got? And I was like, okay, I got, I've rounded up t- five, six different investors. And, and every one of them was like, well, okay, I, I want to be the last money in. And I was like, okay. And the first money out. And the fir- Well, they're, they're all the first money out, but it's like yeah. they all want to be, like they wanted to make sure when they put their money in that it's ready to go. And then I was talking to our lawyer who was like, well, just tell them they're all the last money because as soon as their money's all in, then you guys are ready to go. And it's been such a learning experience just along the way. Um, and so, yeah, so we finally, we, we got the money in. And last year we took uh, three weeks, 18 days, did three six days, you know, six day weeks, three three weeks, six days a week, like twelve to fourteen hours a day, mm-hmm. just shot it all around L.A. It was amazing because I was in almost every scene, but I was running so high on adrenaline that I just was like the whole movie. I didn't get tired. I was like, even when I wasn't in a scene, I was there watching, giving notes. Mm-hmm. We got John Hurd to play the main bad oh, guy. Cool. Remember, you know, John Hurd. Mm-hmm. He played the main bad guy. I got a lot of my friends to be in it, which was so much fun. And it was an experience that it was just, I always tell people in this field, in, in acting and comedy, I go, create your own opportunities. Mm-hmm. And whenever Good I advice. say that, I'm also advising myself to do it again because it's like, I mean, I went out all, you know, all pilot season. I would go on auditions and I'd be looking at the part. I was like, this isn't me. This is that guy sitting across from me. That guy, you've written it for that. Like, I, it would say like, whatever, say like, you know, frumpy best friend who's right. got, you know, curly hair and, you know. It's not coming out of his nose. I look across. There's a guy sitting there. I was like, "That's the guy." Like, why am I here? <laughs> you know. So it's uh, it's been a great experience, and we're we're in post now, and um, you know, we'll see where this where this oh, adventure awesome. takes us. It's part of the reason why, and then we got to move on a little bit. But it's part of the reason why you you made this movie yourself was just the roles you're offered in Hollywood are just like terrorist number five. And absolutely. You know. Yeah. I think that, you know, I've been lucky that I did a neighbor with snot coming out. of like <laughs> No, I, uh, I was, uh, I was, I was lucky that I early on in my career did a couple of terrorist parts and then I instantly realized I don't like those. And I just was like, forget it. I'm out of this. I'm not going to do it anymore. And then, and then I was able to do like, you know, donut shop owner or, or cab driver and all. And I don't mind those parts. Cause I go, listen, I know these people. I know sure. Middle Eastern people that have these things. But I also wanted uh, a guy to be kind of a, a hero of a Middle Eastern, someone of Middle Eastern descent saving the day and being kind of a bumbling idiot because I was a big fan of Pink Panther as a kid. <laughs> so I was like, let's just do that. you know. And it was fun. It was so much fun to have control. It was so amazing because I did this movie, again, being, the, being one of the co-writers, and the star and one of the producers, it was great. We'd be in a scene, and we'd do it, and then I'd go, hey, I'm going to try it like this now. Hey, why don't you try it like this? Why don't you improvise this scene? Go for it. And we could just do it. There was no one to answer to. We just did it. And You were the suit on set. I was the suit on set, exactly. <laughs> and it was amazing because like a week or two after this, I got a guest star on a four-camera CBS show, and I just remember running the uh the scene as the suits had come the network and the and the it, so it was a network and the studio had come to watch the studio run through and there was like 30 or 40 people watching us and then we finished and we walked away and then they were giving notes to the writers and i was like no wonder why right. it's so hard to get good comedy right. because you're doing it by committee and it's an art form and, and these aren't even comedic. They don't have no comedic training. They have no comedic no. training. And I, and I was saying, like, this is the only art form, like, painters, like, there's no, painters don't stand in front of a canvas with 30 people behind them and go, guys, <laughs> with orange or red. fucking guys. Yeah, business guys, right? We focus yeah. grouped and we need you to paint it this oh, way. God. Like, mm, fucking can, shut it. Yeah. Can you, can you oh, make yeah. those clouds younger? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Clouds, that's funny, right? That's funny. Damn Make it. those clouds younger. Well, I don't know if people so in, the, in the middle of the country are going to get those that painting. Yeah. How yeah. the fuck do you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I love when they say to us comedians, like, well, the middle of the country won't get it. Yeah. You mean those clubs that I destroy at? Yeah, exactly. When I'm on the road? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, it's so true. I actually, I did a. I did a I did a weekend in Kansas City and I have like I have no draw there and so it was, I was like let's just try it and we tried it and realized that I don't have a draw but the club had to pay for the room and then I look in the audience like the second or third night is packed mm-hmm. and I'm like oh wow word got out well no word didn't get out they papered the room but it was like which an, for those listening that means giving away passes they give away passes and and the but the audience was not at all what I would consider to be my fan base it was just like i was looking out and look kind of they look rednecky trucker hats and stuff but it was amazing after the show they're coming up going like hey man i really enjoyed that was really cool man that was i had a great time like and you go exactly what you just said you go wait a minute they're not as dumb as you think they are Uh, suits in show business in new york and la have no fucking idea how the rest of the country thinks and well we focus grouped it your focus group is a bunch of goddamn meth heads or people coming out of a fucking methadone clinic yeah Yeah. uh, you i we focus group it every night we're at the kansas city improv at the columbus funny bone at the fucking comedy club in bloomington indiana you don't know what you're talking about. when after dark pulled that shit with me they're like oh we focus no you showed it to a few interns that's what you did yeah Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, this really good focus group company. The minute you say focus group, you're dead to me. Yeah. You make no sense. Yeah. But also, also the thing is, the fact is that... People, some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate right. it. So it's just like, let's find our fan base. That's all. Let's you find a way. Everyone doesn't have to love you. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, when you do this comedy by committee with suits. They want everyone to like it. And it's like, no, comedy is subjective. Yeah. yeah. Bill Cosby said, you know, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is try to please everyone. Try to please everyone. Yeah. Like, the, like, be your. And that's the, the most, you know, middle of the road <laughs> comedian you could get right. them. Like, and he's saying the exact same advice that like bill hicks would say yeah it's the same thing yeah yeah well that's cool all right so jimmy vestwood let's uh put it on your radar put Put on on your radar radar. let us you know let us know when it's out and we'll we'll have you back absolutely yeah 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 thanks guys yeah um all right let's let's move to uh Uh, dvd dvd uh ride along this is the kevin hart vehicle oh yeah uh did not see it although um if you're a kevin hart fan you probably saw it um did not get well reviewed, but the interesting thing about the reviews all pretty much said that Kevin Hart deserves better than this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So probably for uh, what we're talking about, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, they jammed him into something, and he tried to make the most of it. Yeah. Like uh, the nut job. Were you lucky enough to not have your children make you see this? <laughs> I actually had to go see the nut job, oh. and I think if I, I don't remember it that well, I think that I might have been checking texts and emails. It was while the, yeah, I, yeah, it was the squirrel movie. Yeah, you got and, a lot of work done during the nut job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah, God my yeah. kids did not want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I saw it. Um, you know, I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, it's not the the short story that was written, however many years ago. It's a, it's a very inventive thing, and uh, you know, as I've said, I'm, I've been pretty critical of Ben Stiller on this show. I think he does a good job with this. If okay. you didn't get to see it in the theaters, I think it's worth a rental. I think hmm. it's worth and watching. This is another. The next one too is one that I actually missed, and I've been really trying to get. Uh, yeah. Is Philomena? I'm going to see this. A, this is definitely really one of those Oscar films that slipped through the cracks for me that mm. I want to check out. Again, it's one of those movies like I'm trying to find it, and it's not playing anywhere, even in L.A. It's well, you can you get know, it on. I think can't you get it on just like on on the Apple 
Apple TV or something like, or yeah, like you iTunes. Can, now you can, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that. And then coming out this week, Transcendence, the Johnny Depp weird science Tron movie. <laughs> he was know. on Letterman. He didn't seem too convinced himself. Uh, I'm not <laughs> he was, surprised. He even said he's like, he's like, I didn't see it. He goes, I didn't see yeah, it, but I'm he's sure. like, <laughs> he's like, you know, but it would have been really funny if he actually, you know, Lone Ranger was better. Yes, funny, yeah. but, but uh, I, this movie looks so bad and so dated. Uh, I don't. It, it's definitely I we're like, you know, we're it, we're in April right now. So somehow somebody held a February release into April, maybe thinking, well, it's Johnny Depp. Maybe we'll get mm-hmm. people to come. Yeah, uh, Haunted House Two. I don't think there's anything we could say to, to persuade you either way on that movie. You're either going to see it you're or, you're not, see it or you're not, uh, regardless of what anyone says. Um, uh, Bears. This is a nature documentary. That's mm. John C. Riley's the narrator, on which it. is hilarious because he sounds like a cartoon bear, <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of Fozzie the bear. He is yes, kind of like yeah, Fozzie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you feel like you know he's going to a stream, and you just kind of hear his voice, like you know, I'm hungry. Right. You know, was that Bane? Yeah, that was. was that a Bane? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Simon Dragon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so go see Bane Bear, Mister Cellophane. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, okay. So and, I think what we're saying this week is if you haven't seen Captain America or The Raid 2, yeah, now's, n- your, now's chance. your chance. The yeah, theaters won't yeah. be as crowded. Yeah, yeah. And if you have kids that are dying to see the mo- a movie, take them to Bears. Or, and, or Mr. Peabody. Or Mr. Peabody. Is yeah. Bears going to be uh, a kid's movie, too? Oh, it's a nature, yeah. Oh, okay, it's okay. a nature documentary. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe I'll do it that. It actually follows one family of bears oh, around. Okay. Um, well, they, you know, where they argue. <laughs> Is that an adorable yeah. oh, That's precious. Aww. Yep. And then they get shot at the end by a hunter. It's amazing. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's our that's our program, ladies and gentlemen. That is. That, that was a is. full show. Nice. We yeah. packed in a lot of business in there. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Mazda Brownie, for being on the program. Uh, yeah, where can first people... time, Greg. First Glad time. Yeah, it was fun. It was, thanks for having me. Where can people find uh, you on the internet? At Mazda Brownie, M A Z J O B R A N I. Facebook.com slash Mazjobrani. YouTube slash Mazjobrani. Mazjobrani.com. Mazjobrani. Uh, no, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, I got Instagram. Instagram. It's just every, I've, I think I got every Mazjobrani, except once in a while, someone from China keeps emailing me and telling me that someone's trying to buy my domain name in China. I think it's a scam. No, no. I think. Well, give, okay, fine. Give I, your bank Okay, info. good. I will. I'm going to send him my social. <laughs> 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 yeah, those guys helped me out with the Nigerian lottery. Yeah. So I'm doing Fantastic. fine. Invested it for you? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's going great. It's going great. Um, so yeah, guys, at, at the very least, just Google Maz Jobrani, and I there think you, you will find... Something will come up. Something, something will come something up. Maybe, will come up. yeah, you get an account in China. <laughs> and check out uh, Sheeran in Love, and of course, look for uh, Jimmy Vestwood, American Hero. Um, all right, so that is... Uh, the program. That is our program. I, oh, I do want to thank uh, everybody that came out uh, to see Doug Benson and myself in uh, Raleigh, Charlotte, and Asheville. Those those were good shows. And of course, um, I will be at, uh, Doug Benson and myself will be um, at Wise Guys in Salt Lake City, April 17th, uh, Cobbs in San Francisco for our 420 Eve show on the 19th of April. And Doug is, uh, of course, recording his album April 20th, 420 at Helium in Portland. And then we will be at the Wow Hall in Eugene, Oregon on April 21st. So check those out. 
Um, I think we should announce the May 7th show. Oh, shit. You're right. I'm an idiot. Yeah, May 7th, we're doing our annual uh, Comedy Film Nerd Summer Movie Preview. We're doing it at the Improv. Yes, with Doug Benson. With Doug Benson will come on, and the two people who donated... Um, yes, the, the Doug Benson tier on Kickstarter. The Doug Benson so, tier. So those two people who donated to... We, the, you will be getting a survey shortly. Yes. I'll be sending out to get your info. And you're going to be on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll play uh, we'll play a little Leonard Malton. It'll be great. It'll be great. So that's May 7th at the Hollywood Improv, uh, 8162 Melrose Avenue. So check that out. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to do... They'll probably have a coupon code, like coupon code CFN for that show. The tickets will be like... I don't know, 10, 15 bucks, but I think coupon code CFN will get you in for five. Or we'll knock like it that. down for you. Yeah, we'll get it down <laughs> to a reasonable cost. So mm-hmm. come on out, you guys. Got to support this show on May 7th in Hollywood. Ba-boom. And of course, um, yeah. Still working on the documentary. Still and, working on the documentary. And like I said, thank you so much for supporting everything here, um, especially the store and you know the Kickstarter. We could not do this without you, and we really appreciate you it. You guys are awesome, man, the way you're supporting the film and, and independent filmmaking and all that stuff, so... Uh, thank you once again to our guest, Maz Jabrani. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Trunk Club. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>